All right, happy Alec Manoa Day, everybody. I mean, there really is no other topic of conversation around the Blue Jays going into tonight's game against the Detroit Tigers. Kevin Barker. This is a 640 start, by the way. Alec Manoa making his first start back in the majors since being sent down to the minors to... Well, we're just, we're not entirely certain why he was sent down to the minors. Because he uh, wasn't very good for 13 starts. That's why he was sent down. Well, yeah, but we we aren't entirely certain what he had to do down there. Um, based on the results, small sample size results from him in two competitive games. Um, and based on the fact that, honestly... I think if you asked everybody around the organization to put their hand on their heart, they would tell you that they're surprised. I don't care what they're saying publicly. They're surprised that Alec Manoa is up here right now. Yeah, I don't think making so. This start. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure I agree with you. I, I think it's uh, it's a couple of things. It's uh, rumblings of the other four don't like it, didn't like the routine change and, and you know, trying to carry the load but, for but a they certain guy have, to try and figure it out. I don't think they like that. They wouldn't have known that when they sent him down, I don't think. Is well, what they, I'm they, knew that that while was, they knew that while he was down. That may have changed. But what I'm saying is the original plan was for him to – he was not going to come back and pitch before the All-Star break. I, I think anybody who yeah, says well, that is – Well, is, well you know from, from the people that I talked to, it sounded like, you know, a little bit after the All-Star break. But if you look at the schedule on who they're facing after the break, they would rather his first game be against a team that, quite frankly, offensively is not very good. Like, And it's in a giant park. They want him to gain some confidence. And so he can go into the break doing whatever he's going to be doing to make him a better pitcher and hit the ground running and help this team and help the other, quite frankly, help the other four mm-hmm. guys out. That That is a big deal. Not a lot of people are talking about that. And, and that's a big thing. Like, well, we've heard. They need the best out of everybody in that rotation. And I think to get it, the other four have to have some certainty when it comes to routines, what they can and can't do, try and figure out down the stretch to – to be the best pitcher they can be because, you know, I, it just seems like offensively that part of their, their game is not going to carry their team for very long. It's going to be the rotation. So you need the best out of those guys. Yeah, and uh, we deal with this uh, with the manager, John Schneider, uh, at 6 o'clock. Uh, a, uh, I mean, I found very enlightening interviews. Interviews with John Schneider usually are when we do it. But he, uh, I thought he was pretty candid about Alec Manoa and um, what his expectations are uh, for Alec Manoa tonight. And I think Kevin hit the nail on the head here. I mean, we kind of put two and two together a couple of Mm -hmm. days ago, and it's pretty obvious if you just listen to the comments of Jose Barrios and and, and Chris Bassett that the the idea that the Jays were going to extend this four man rotation a little longer wasn't sitting too well with uh, with those pitchers. And pitchers are creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody's routine was thrown out of whack by this. Sure. Um, and that's, and, and it wasn't as if, I want to be clear about this. It wasn't as if people were complaining about it. No. It wasn't as, as if people were whining about it. But let's just say that it was brought to the attention of people who matter that some of the people in uniform 
had some strong opinions about what was being done and what wasn't being done. Yeah. And I, I think as every, you know, as every day went by and there was no help from the minor league system. Zero. Zero. You know, every day went by where the topic was Mitch White or Thomas Hatch, the other starting pitchers just, you know, uncle, basically, on this. So we'll see what happens. Alec mm-hmm. Manoa, it, I mean, it's hard to find... It's hard to find an easier lineup to face if you're bringing a guy back up and you want to build up his confidence. There's three left-handed hitters in the lineup. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's Javier Baez. There's Miguel Cabrera. Uh, It's a bigger ballpark. Mm -hmm. You've got a rested bullpen for the most part, despite the doubleheader yesterday. I think the bullpen's usable. Sure. And, you know, you've got a a lineup that, uh, that scored... What eleven runs and had twenty three hits in the last its last last ten innings of play going back to the the extra inning of game one of yesterday's doubleheader. So the question now, Kevin, mm-hmm. um, what do you expect from Alec Manoa tonight? What if I said nothing? Like what? What if I just wanted to if see him on a mound? And I would be right there with you. I have. No expectations tonight. Alec Manoa could give me six shutout. Alec Manoa could give me two and a third. Alec Manoa could give me three and two thirds, five. I got no expectations tonight. I don't know what to expect from Alec Manoa. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how you can go from the slider, the shape on that pitch, the velocity on that pitch, the location on that pitch, basically for 15 starts. I mean, it's a couple of starts this year, one against the Yankees, one other one that he was decent in, slider mm-hmm. broke, ended up where he wanted to go. But other than that, that thing has not been good. No, and the we're, slider, we're, we do we do know people in the organization will tell you, the slider awful. in that Florida complex league outing was awful. Awful. So how, how can we expect all of a sudden, and in that double-A thing, I saw video of it. I mean, I watched a couple innings on the on YouTube yeah. and, and talked to some people that were around it and, and – you know, have have watched enough video of it, and that's the, I don't have any idea what to expect. I, I I think the certainty of what he wants to throw when he wants to throw it is a big deal. Like there can't be a lot of thinking it's, about it. I think don't think that has anything to do with the pitch timer. I think that more has to do with tempo inside. Once he gets the sign, right. the ball's in his hand. Tempo meaning ball out of the glove, how quickly his arm speed is, how quickly he goes down the slope when it hits the ground, the aggression, the rotation, the separation from his glove and his hand. Like that is do the you, tempo. Do you read Not it? the timer where it gets to 13 to 8 to 6. None of that. They don't, they don't think they care about that, nor does he. It's everything that goes in to that repeatability, how quickly he gets it out of the hand, where it ends up. What that does is the quick arm speed makes it tunnel longer. That has later break, which keeps it in the strike zone longer, which means it's harder to take. That's the whole point in that tempo of the windup. So that, I think, is one of the things that you'll look at. And you'll know because his... Just the aura of him on the mound will tell you how he feels about that. So that'll be one of the things I look at. And again, they've set this up. It's why would you let him make another start? Double A or Triple A cares which league it is, and I, 
who knows what it instead of coming here making that start against the Tigers because it looked, so your first start is not against the Padres because who have he, a better lineup because at home well there's this no, is on the road in let, a bigger park let, against let a bad think, lineup you don't need to start them against the Padres you don't need to what, what makes you think you have to start them after the All Star break here's yeah, the problem. it gets back Here, to the other four guys and got, the rumbling you know and the talking yeah That's you know what, what gets back you know to. what you got four days off at the All Star break uh, again you, and 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 this you is can't the thing. say one thing and do the other yeah the problem with bringing him up right now is if he craps the bed then what do you do. What if you have to send him well, back? That would, just, that would mean Ross has to go out and do something. Then he'd oh, know. Well, then what, he'd know he has to what, do what, what happens if you have to send him back down to the minors? What, what have you accomplished? You're going to try to tell me that's not a setback. Right? This is the thing. I, 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 I get your point. This is a soft landing spot for him. Absolutely. But my point is this. You don't have to start him against San Diego or Arizona. Yeah, it gets back to the thing he about what you talked the about the other guys talking. I, that's what but it's you about. Don't have, but you, Kevin... You've gone a month without him. There's no urgency to get him back. Yeah, it's great that those guys were talking about everything. It's sad and, you know, God love them. They've sucked it up and worked hard and all that good stuff. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, I, I, I'm hoping there's no rush getting this guy back. Well, we I'm were told by no John Snyder today that, that he was not rushed. They like what they saw. Well, I don't all, expect all, I, all the things off the field. Because my question was to John is about some would say eight innings at the minor league level that's, in a month. That's it's not good enough. Yeah. And that's what he said. It, that's I mean, irrelevant. That's, it's all about it's, that stuff off the off the. I guess you'd call it off the field. Well, we have to. We also have to put the caveat out here. This is not 1967. They didn't send a dude down to the minors and base their decision on when he comes back on what they saw when he was on the mound. He was at the pitching lab. They spent a lot of money in this thing. God, I, I this hope is it why works. They spent the money on it. This is why they spent the <clears throat> yeah. money on it. And, and it's like my friend Brian Burke says, and I always repeat this. It's, it's, it's fair game to criticize an organization, but when you criticize an organization's decisions, you've got to take this into account. First of all, They've got more information than you do. Secondly, they know exactly what they're looking for. Third, they've got better information than you do. Fourth, nobody sets out intentionally to screw things up. So you have to assume good intentions, better information when a decision is made. And that's something that you know, we don't often stress enough in sports talk radio or any, any media. The Jays know more than we do. They've got more information than we do. Hopefully the information's good and accurate, mm -hmm. but they've got more information than we do. And again, it gets to good intentions. They, they do not want Alec Manoa to fail. No. So when you put all that together, I mean, this is where we are. The Jays did set up the start by sweeping the Chicago White Sox in a doubleheader yesterday. That helps. It certainly does. Uh, they set a franchise record with a six-run 10th, sorry, 11th inning in beating the, uh, the, the White Sox in the first game of the series. They got a couple of home runs from Whit Merrifield in the second game. And uh, Jose Barrios was, was terrific in the first game of that doubleheader. The Jays took all three games against the White Sox. They swept the season series against the White Sox. They've got three games against the Tigers in Detroit. 640 is the first pitch tonight. Then you have the All-Star break. Are you surprised, Kevin, that Danny Jansen is behind the plate tonight. I think it's more about the offense. 
than, than it than it is in the look because because Alejandro Kirk caught Alec Manoa last year when Alec Manoa was good, and the plan our understanding was this year the plan was for Alejandro Kirk to catch Alec Manoa. That's certainly what we saw early in the season. Now, Alejandro Kirk is, is, has become a non-factor offensively for this team. He's hit himself. Well he's he's hit himself out of the lineup. lineup. There you go. But that still surprises me a little bit. Like you've done everything to make Alec Manoa comfortable. Sure. And and I'm not saying Danny Jansen can't do it. Obviously, if you listen to this show, you know what our level of respect is for Danny Jansen. Yeah, we're fans. But I'm just saying that made me raise my eyebrow a little bit. Yeah, I don't overthink it. I think it's more about Alec than it is who's catching it. You know, it's it's he's only got a couple of pitches. It's more about you know if somebody hits one hard. How does he self-correct it? Maybe they feel more comfortable that maybe Danny's, you know, the the grown-up in the room a little bit more can call timeout, run out there. It's rare that you saw Kirky and Alec call timeout, collect themselves, figure out what they want to do next, right? Danny's pretty decent at that. He'll, you know, he can read what's going on, reading bats, what the swings look like, how he's looking on the mound. And I, I just think don't overthink it. Like, I, I think it's more for me about Alec and, and finding the lanes and, consistency of the release point and, you know, the uh, the tempo that they talk about and the delivery, all the things that go into being a, a solid big league pitcher who gives his team a chance to win a baseball game on the road. And for me, I'm not overthinking that. I, I don't think we should. I don't think anybody should. We, uh, this will be our last show until after the All-Star game. So we'll be off for a week. We'll be back next Friday. Um. And uh, Ailish and Justin, the uh, fan uh, morning show, will be in our in our time slot next week. So give give the kids a listen. There's a lot of fun and a lot of energy there. Uh, but this is our last show before uh, before next Friday, and I want to talk about it's our last chance because we've got John Schneider at six. It's our last chance, Kevin, to really talk about the first half of the year for the Blue Jays or the pre All Star break portion of the year for the Blue Jays. Um. Mm-hmm. Positives and negatives so far for you. Give me two of each. Positives. The outfield defense is off the charts. Excellent. I knew it was going to be good coming in. Didn't have any best idea. Best I've that, seen it. Best oh, I've seen elite. it since Wells. It, since it, Wells and uh, it, can, uh, it can hide Jose poo. Cruz Jr. Oh, saying it can hide poo. Like it's done it, that. A little. It's really good. Uh, it's really good. So I don't know if that's a surprise, but I'm going to say that's a really good thing. Like that's a positive thing. You know, you're happy about that. You're a Jays fan. The ball goes to the air. They are out. Period. End of story. You kind of love that. I'm going to say Bo Bichette. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know he's good. But can he be better than good? Like, I he's you know, everybody's going to go through things. But... Just everything that goes into what it takes for his front foot to hit the ground on time and to be able to cover quadrants like he does and do it line to line and hit velocity and hit a breaking ball that's in a fastball count the way he – I mean, I, so that for me, those two things, I, there's others. Jason Stark, those two things Jason really Stark, by the way, the athletic in his uh, half-season awards picks has Bo Bichette as runner-up to Shohei Otani um, for MVP. So I, I think, I, I mean, I'm with you in that. I think the development of Bo Bichette, the fact that he's carried over from September is a really good thing. Uh, I've got to say this as well. The starting rotation, 
You know, mm-hmm. even with Alec Manoa out, even with the, the, the horrible job the Jays did yeah. in getting depth at AAA, even with that, this starting Jose rotation Jose. has carried Absolutely. the Blue Jays. You Absolutely. say Kikuchi, Jose Barrios, oh. Chris Bassett, and Kevin Gossman, who is going to the All-Star game, mm-hmm. uh, have been... Have been terrific. They're the only that's those four guys are the only reason they're yes. having a chance Without to make question. a run at this thing. Without question. Period. And it, to me, it is when you look at underlying numbers, it is the thing that makes me think that the second half could be a good second half for the Blue Jays because we know when you go into the playoffs, you want the teams that have the most innings from their starting pitchers are in the regular season are generally the teams that go the farthest. Yeah. The Blue Jays are on course to be one of the top teams in baseball in terms of innings from their starting pitchers. That doesn't mean that at the trade deadline, there isn't more work necessary in the bullpen. The bullpen to me is still a little soft in spots, but going into this year, I was so fixed on the starting rotation that the fact that Alec Manoa is one and seven, the fact that Alec Manoa is oh, the Jays have lost six games against AL East teams in which Alec Manoa starts. You want to know why the Jays have a lousy record? Well, he's in the AL he's East. He's the reason. He's he, not the only reason. Nobody's a large part of that. He's a large the other part teams of that. The American League are better than the Jays. Yeah, he's a large that's, part of that. That's one of the reasons. He he is a large part of that. You're right. Uh, but having said all that, the fact that the rotation is doing what it's doing, that makes me think, because I do believe the Jays will be will be doing some stuff at the trade deadline, that makes me think that the second half is going to be okay. And the other thing we haven't mentioned here, mm-hmm. it, it, it's been a weird, it's been a weird first half in the AL. Uh, the Rays are run away with the AL East. Yet, and I think we, when we talk about the Blue Jays, we look at June and we go, wow, that wasn't a very good month for the, the, the Jays. You know, they were fourth place and it came out of June and da, da, et cetera, et cetera. The Rays are coming back to the pack. Uh, the Jays' month of June actually was not terrible. They had one of the best records in the American League. It just didn't seal that, seem that way. The schedule might be breaking a little bit in the Jays' favor here. Tampa Bay is lot, was swept by the Phillies. Tampa Bay has the Atlanta Braves for three games. The Braves are the best team in baseball by a country mile. Uh, the Baltimore Orioles have got Minnesota. The Orioles are in second place. This this division, there there will be there will be some twists and turns in the top four spots in this in the AL East that honestly I didn't see coming three weeks ago. Three weeks ago I thought Rays first, Jays, Orioles, Yankees. Whoever has the best health, that they're going to be going second, third, fourth, second, third, fourth, third, second. I'm not entirely convinced now that we're not going to see this AL at least get a little tighter, and maybe that opens the door for the Blue Jays to get a home, get a home game, uh, a home wild card series. So, yeah, I I, uh, I feel a whole hell of a lot better right now about the Jays than I did in the middle of June. So you're thinking because they're not clicking. On both sides of the ball, right? The quality of depth and the rotation, uh, the lineup sometimes, you know, the runners the and position, all the things, you know, you got some, a lot of dudes underperforming the lineup that you is, expected to do a, a lot of things, and they're still in it. The lineup, I'll tell you they're a good team. The lineup is a glaring weakness, and 
lately, we've seen more from Vladdy. We've seen more from George Springer. The thing that gives me a little hope about this lineup is I can see internal improvement. It wouldn't surprise them. Would it, would it surprise you if Vladdy goes on an unbelievable role Absolutely after the All-Star not. break? Absolutely not. Of no. course not. George Springer, we started to see some life there. I, Stay I, healthy. He'll be all right. Yeah. I, um, I do think, though, that the pressure is going to be squarely on Ross Atkins, the general manager of this team, to address the issues with the lineup. Because, yes, there will be internal improvement. I truly believe that. That's not going to be enough, I don't think. Because I think this lineup is way too pitchable. And and God love Brandon Belt. I got to see his at-bats decrease dramatically. The number of at-bats decreased dramatically in August and September. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see that. In August and September for me to think, think this team gonna, has a chance. You think they're going to go out and find a three-hole hitter? I don't. Maybe they don't need a three-hole hitter. They can go out and find another hitter and have Vladdy hit third, whatever. I. Bottom line is... Bottom line is, I do not want to see Brandon Belt well, getting the same number of at-bats in that spot you know, that he's been you getting know as, he's gotten up to you now. You know as well as anybody, until Vladdy gets on a heater, that, that, that has, that's, that's the still, only reason that's why fine. that dude's hitting third. That's fine. Vladdy can, if, he's a, if he goes on a hitter, a heater, you can put okay, him fine. in the first Vladdy, three spots. Vladdy can go on a heater. The rest of this lineup is still the lineup that is easy to pitch to. I'm, I'm putting Vladdy aside here. Vladdy goes yeah, in a heater. Gonna score, they're going to be gonna score more runs. Well, they're going to be he's better, but, but they're still the going to be a lineup that nobody's going to run away from in the playoffs. It's an easy lineup to pitch to. So my point mm-hmm. is, I got to see fewer at bats from the Brandon Belts of the world down the stretch. And if Alejandro Kirk doesn't mm-hmm. get his head out of his ass when he's at the plate, I need to see fewer at bats from Alejandro Kirk as well. I'm sorry, I need more from him than rolling over. Mm-hmm. I, I, I really do. And that's where I am with this. I need it's a to pretty see big it. sample size of him to... rolling over. It's basically the entire second half of last year carried over to this year. Yeah. You you ask yourself why that is, and I asked John that, and he he had a good answer. So tune in to listen to that. Yeah, it's I I just don't know if you're going to see that. Well, uh, well uh, like Kevin, I, we don't know. It. Of course, we don't know if Ross Atkins is going to make those deals. But my point is, he has to. That's my point. And I um, now, what has he got to trade? Good. That's it's up to Ross. But they've got to make you can't tell me if we come out of the trade deadline mm. and they got the same lineup, mm-hmm. you're gonna look me square in the eye. Even if Vladdy's drawn a heater, you're gonna go, boy, this lineup can do some damage. Come on. It has to be better. It has to be better. There's room for I think it's, I think it's I think it's what your definition of better is going to be. Better is a, a lineup that I, I can win a World Series. With. I think you're saying a different name than Brandon Belt hitting third. That's basically no, what you're I'm saying. saying. That's I'm basically say, what you're saying. I'm, I'm saying, just not sure that's out there at the trade deadline. Well, I, 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 that would be an easier thing to spend money on in the offseason. I guarantee than it would be you, because you don't have a ton to trade for. Parker, I guarantee you that there will be a better hitter than Brandon Belt available at the trade deadline. I, I guarantee you that. Well, I'm sure it's available. Well, then. The fact is, how do you get it? That, that's if okay. you want, we'll, we're, we'll find out. You're, that, running, you're running a $250 million payroll. If all of a sudden yeah, you're going I, to, if all of a sudden you're going to say, I oh, I don't want to touch my minor, I don't want to touch my minor league system. Yeah. I, I, we'll take a uh, shot of, with what we have. If you're going to say that, yeah. then, you know, what are we doing? I here? think we're in agreement that that's what they need. It's just a fact that you really, realistically, 
by looking at stats and names in the minor leagues. I, thanks, thanks. You're going to get Kevin, something do, that's. Do we know who? Do we know who's good in single A? I don't. Do you? Uh, I mean, if you're going to get a halfway decent name, yeah, a, 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 an A ball guy would do it. Take a look at what. Take a look at what the Washington Nationals got for Juan Soto. They did not get a whole bunch of AAA uh, yeah, guys. Yeah, but they're they're. Oh, Kevin. I, okay. I, uh, maybe. Well, I mean, Kevin, if you, if a team, maybe. if I mean, a team that's, is going to four or five guys, that's not one guy. Well. Yeah. That's the difference, right? Yeah. Is you got to have four or five guys. Yeah. Not one guy. Yeah. That's all. So we don't. I, I'm, I'm in and, agreement and, and, with and you I, keep t- I keep telling you this. This, The value of the Jays prospects at the minor league level isn't what we say it is. It isn't what's Ro- what Ross Atkins says it is. It's yeah. what the other organizations well say. Said. It. Absolutely. I mean, it is. Absolutely. So anyhow, that's. That's kind of where we are. That that's where we are at that. But uh, we covered a lot of negatives there. No, I, we really cover a lot of negatives. We said the starting pitching's been great. The starting pitching's good enough, I think, right now. So, I think the starting pitching's good enough to win a couple of playoffs. So series. is the bullpen really to to get to get to the playoffs. It's good enough. You're gonna have to add an eighth inning guy, and maybe that's Chad Green when he gets here. Maybe, and um, the the pitching doesn't concern me as much as the lineup the lineup to me has to be the focus and that's the case even if even if flatty goes on a, on a roll uh, can i give my one negative that i yes it's we talk about it it's the adjustments and i don't i don't know the conversations and and again we need to be real careful about how you talk about conversations and what they're talking about and how much they're talking about it and it's not lack of effort of how they're talking and how much they're talking but whatever they're talking it ain't working. So that, for me, is a big disappointment. There's some really good names on the back of that jersey. Some really good names that I shouldn't have to walk by every single at-bat and tell them how to have a, an at-bat at the big league level. There's something going on there. Like, it's just odd. Like, we've seen it the last couple of days on why when you face dudes in the 8th and ninth inning and even the 10th inning that throw 100 miles an hour, why are you looking for slider? Can you explain that to me? Uh, that that is that's just I, uh, sometimes to make you scratch your head to just simply it, there's too much going on. Pitching's never been better. The smart people that are running these teams have never been better. If you're if you have a good month like Matt Chapman, they're going to find out how to get you out up. It's that's just life. It's how you try and figure out the reverse of that. It's just why is it taking so long? The talent's there. That's what I, I question. I just don't I just don't understand the end. I don't know what the answer to that is because the guy gotta be careful not in the room and yeah. I don't talk to the coaches every single day like, you know. Yeah, no, that that's like twenty hours a day. Like I don't do that. So you gotta be careful about how you talk about it. That's... Just by what the way we watch the game and the way their at bats are. George Springer's at bat should be totally different than everybody else's at bat. Okay, he's an educated guesser. You can see it. Look at the balls he puts in play. He's looking for that. He sees it. He's swinging at it. No, no matter where it's at. You but made, then there's everybody else. You made a point yesterday about uh, uh, at bats from Chapman and Guerrero in Game One, where basically they were sitting on a slider. They were sitting slider, right? Yeah. And and, and your point was, just look at what the dude was get. The dude was doing Ronaldo Lopez, who yeah. throws a hundred, and you know he. And you're sitting slider. Maybe you're the only people to think you can hit the slider. I, 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 I know, I know they're hitting a little higher off the slider than they are the fastball. But 
you want to get in an athletic position to hit velocity. That way you have a little split second longer. You're not going to do that slider. See it out of the hand and maybe hammer with backspin the slider. He throws you a good slider because of how hard he throws. You are out. It's real simple. You are out. So why is it? Why are they doing that? It's obvious. I. It just that that for me is the one negative of this. You asked me the disappointments or yeah. whatever, however you worded it. The approach. That, that is one of them. It's just I just don't because of the names on the back of the jersey. That's what you would have told me when I played. Work, walk me through it. Yeah. I need it. I need you to help me here. Not these names on the back of these jerseys. Yeah. And I don't understand that. It's confusing. Bob Nightingale is a national baseball writer with USA Today. If I had told you that the biggest Mets Padres series of the year was going to be in July and not October. Fingers crossed, I would have said. <laughs> that's what you I probably would have laughed, but that's where we are. The all-failure series, <laughs> the Mets and Padres this weekend. We'll talk to Bob about Major League Baseball at the All-Star break. Maybe get an update on an injury to Corbin Carroll of the Arizona Diamondbacks. All that ahead in Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fans, Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360. Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. is the first pitch tonight from Comerica Park as the Tigers and Jays open a three-game series. Alec Manoa taking the mound. Woohoo! For the Jays, Danny Jansen will be behind the plate. The rest of the lineup, pretty much what you would expect Saturday. Kevin Gossman takes on Matt Manning. Sunday, Chris Bassett against Tariq Skubal as uh, the pre-All-Star break portion of the schedule comes to a close. I always feel guilty calling it the first half because... Then don't. Because the first half is already then don't. come and gone. Then don't. Um, All-star break. All-star break. There you there go. go. John Schneider, manager of the Blue Jays, joined us at 6 o'clock uh, with a, 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 a long, a lengthy interview. Yeah. Um, talks a lot about what he has learned. He, he's, he's now managed 162 games a full season. And uh, some candid thoughts, frankly, in Alec Manoa and some of the some of the issues facing the organization. So you won't want to miss that. It'll be at 6 o'clock on uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan of Sportsnet 360. Um, this is the final weekend before the All-Star game. Obviously, there are other teams playing besides the Blue Jays. There are other pitchers pitching beside Alec Manoa tonight, although that'll be our focus. Bob Nightingale is a national baseball writer with USA Today. He joins us on Blair and Barker. Bob, thanks for doing this. Trust that you're doing well. Uh, very quickly, because I know you tweeted an update on this. We know that Corbin Carroll left the game yesterday, uh, the Diamondbacks game yesterday with a shoulder injury. He is, of course, I mean, gosh, he's, uh, I would say, front runner for rookie of the year. He's front runner for maybe some stuff other than that. What is the latest update on Corbin Carroll? Of course, this is significant for the Jays because they do see the Diamondbacks pretty early out of the All-Star break. Yeah, I mean, they, this is the second time it's happened in six days. Uh, you know, they, they were optimistic last night, saying that the strength of the shoulder uh, seemed fine, that you know, there are no problems, but let the, let's get this checked out. 
And about an hour ago, they still have not uh, received results. I would think they'd have to put them in the injured list. You make sense of the all-star break coming up. The only trouble with it is that here's this kid's first all-star game. It's his hometown. I mean, how many guys make their, uh, you know, their first all-star games mm-hmm. in their own hometown? Uh, so I think they want to, uh, you know, adhere to his wishes. But I would think, you know, to be smart, they'd probably put him on the, on the injured list and see what happens. It kind of reminds you of what happened with Tatis a couple of years ago right. when that shoulder kept coming, coming in and out. And he did have major sh- shoulder surgery. Uh, just two years ago. Right. I forgot. Yeah, that is a great point. Carol did have shoulder surgery, so obviously something to monitor. Yeah, yeah, Bob. Uh, the, the Blue Jays are catching the Diamondbacks the three games after the All-Star break. Without Corbin, what are the Diamondbacks? Well, they'd be in deep trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, right now they're kind of holding on for dear life. Uh, you know, just got swept by the Mets. I think they've lost... Uh, but they're nine and thirteen now since getting pummeled by Philadelphia a few weeks ago. They're short on pitching. They got about two and a half starters. They're, uh, they don't have a closer. They need about two more relievers in the pen. We'll see how aggressive they are at the deadline. I don't think they'll be that aggressive. I think they'll make some modest improvements and see what happens. I mean, they're lucky the Dodgers are you know beat up. Uh, the Padres have been a you know, colossal disappointment. You know, Giants are hanging around. So they still have, you know, a shot to win that division and a very good shot you know, to make the playoffs, even with all the pitching problems. Uh, the uh, You mentioned the Padres. The Padres and Mets are playing this weekend, and I made a point before the, uh, before the break that I thought the biggest Mets-Padres series this year that we might be seeing it in October. I didn't think we'd necessarily be seeing it in July. But having said that, the Mets have won five in a row. Uh, in a row. They're getting, you know, Alvarez has come through for them. Um, do the Padres, like the Mets may have some magic in them. Do the Padres, Bob, have, have any magic in them at this point? I think the Mets have a better chance. They really do. Something's wrong with the Padres internally. I don't know what's going on with, you know, in that clubhouse. They got so much talent. I think with all the talent they have, I think they have more talent than the Mets, you know, even the smaller payroll. Uh, I think if the Padres miss the playoffs, I think they'll go down as the most underachieving team in baseball history. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, they were talking about World Series or bus. And, the, you know, I was on that team a lot in spring training. It was just a, uh, a madhouse in there. Just could have so many star power. Uh, there were more reporters there than, you know, than the Yankees club out there every day. So, but yeah, I think it'd be colossal disappointment. Yeah. And be uh, curious to see then what happens. I mean, it's one thing for the Mets to uh, struggle. You got Steve Cohen with all the money. And I'm saying Peter Seiler is, you know, broke. He's still got, you know, a billionaire. But they spent way beyond their means. And I think uh, not making the playoffs would have long-term repercussions there. Is it too easy to look at this and go, okay, this is a team that made the playoffs last year without Fernando Tatis Jr. hanging around. He's back now. They're scuffling. It, 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 I mean, that from a distance, Bob, that would be kind of an easy way to look at this and try and put two to two together and come up with four. Um, you're much closer, obviously, than we are. Do you think, is there any issue there between Tatis and the rest of the team? I don't think so. I don't think Tatis, but, but the chemistry isn't working. You know, it, it's obvious there's, there's problems there. You know, you hear, you hear about some of the star players not caring for each other. You know, you hear there's, uh, you know, selfish players in there. And there's got to be. I mean, just way too many star guys. Mm-hmm. To be playing like this, uh, I mean, they'll score ten runs one game and say we're okay, and they get shut out the next two days. 
uh, you know, it's not a bullpen problem. The rotation's been fine. But, you know, offensively, and, uh, you know, it hasn't been a well-constructed team either. It's like you have the first four or five hitters, just a massive drop-off, uh, not much in terms of a bench. And you got, you got guys that are cheating, whether it's a Machado, whether it's a Cornerworth, uh, whether it's a Bogarts. You know, there's guys who don't put up their normal numbers. Bob, you think a shot in the arm would be trade somebody that matters off that team? Think they'd do that? I don't think I think they should. I don't think they will. And I would I would trade Blake Snell and get some uh, some stuff back. Uh, Josh Hader, you know, would get you a nice uh, uh, bunch of prospects. I would trade Soto too. I don't think they're going to. But you know, trade him. You're not going to get get what you gave up for him. But he's obviously not helping you win. Uh, start off terrible. You know, he's heated up. He's you know becoming more of the player he was in uh, in Washington. But the one thing that drives them crazy is like you saw the walks. Like, hey, we're in a, you know, swing the middle of the lineup, swing the bat, driving some runs. You know, when you get to walk, all you're doing is just clogging the bases. Uh, I've never seen a guy so happy to get walks in my life in this guy. Uh, which team do you think is going to be the most interesting team at the trade deadline, either in terms of adding to make a surprise run or to build on a good first half? Or in terms of selling, and it basically saying, "All right, we're we're essentially running up the white flag." Is there is is there a, a surprise team or a team that you're keeping your eyes on? Uh, the team I think would be fascinating is the Dodgers. Uh, yeah, they've been just riddled with injuries. Uh, they didn't do much in the off season, saving money, you know, trying to get a luxury tax for Shohei Otani. You know, do they decide? You know what? We'll go ahead and trade the prospects we got and try to you know go for this thing. Or do they sit back and say, okay, you know, uh, skip every all these injuries. We'll just grab Otani. Everything will be fine a year from now. So I'll be just kind of fascinating how aggressive they'll be at, at the trade deadline. Uh, you know, I don't see teams like Cincinnati going all in or Arizona going all in. Uh, you know, Cincinnati is such a painful rebuild. You know, why, you know, why give, right. why give, you know, why give up top prospects and just go for it when you're going to get, you know, you're not going to get past the land in the playoffs anyway. Right. I don't know if anybody's going to pass the land in the National League. What about Baltimore? I hope they're aggressive. I was uh, kind of sick to my stomach last year when they kind of gave up. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I hope they don't make it. You know, they're trying to be cute and say, well, we might be able to make the wild card, but we won't go deep. And, and you got a chance to go for it. So now they got all the prospects. They went, you know, lost 110 games or so, you know, three, you know almost three years in a row there. Uh, copy the Astro blueprint. I hope they're aggressive. I'm not saying today whether, you know, they're a former first-round draft picks, things like that. But they better be aggressive. That, that's a good team. I think a, uh, you know, Tampa right now is a class in America league. But you got to go, you know, Baltimore might be, you know, right, might be right after them. Bob, what do you think the Jays do? I think they got to be aggressive, too. I mean, uh, you know, on paper, they probably had more talent than anybody in the AL East. Uh, you know, they're not as disappointing as some of these other teams. But disappointing. It'd be, I mean, be a nightmare if they don't make the playoffs. Uh, you know, kind of around you, Seattle. Uh, people, you know, people thought Seattle would take off after probably making the playoffs after all these years. And I think people thought the same thing with the uh, Blue Jays. Okay, here they come. They got all, you know all this young talent. So you know, hopefully they're aggressive. I think they, I think they have to be just to make the playoffs. I really do. I think if they'll make the playoffs, you know, it's just a waste of year. Bob, the uh, commissioner will do his media availability at the All-Star game. Um, you know, you look at the uh, attendances up, uh, 
seems as if the rules changes have met with pretty much universal acceptance. Uh, time of game is down. All all this stuff. TV numbers are are, are good. Franchise value, um, you know, seems to be pretty stable. Is is the game in some ways in a better place right now than it's been in a long time? Yeah, probably. Uh... You know, the tennis was, you know, going up and up and up for years, up until like, you know, 2015, 16, right. and it started dropping, and really dropping. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, the best has been at least in uh, 10 years or so. And you're right, you know, tennis is finally on the uptick. Uh, you know, so are TV ratings. Uh, you know, I, I think it helps baseball, what we're seeing now. When you're seeing teams like the, uh, you know, the, the Orioles, the Marlins, the Reds, the Diamondbacks, you're showing, you know, hey, you don't have to spend $300 million. You know, you can win with a small budget. And uh, I think in the new rules, people are loving the fact there's these young athletic teams, and they're fun to watch, you know, run, you know stealing, uh, you know, 80, 90 bases like they have. So I, I think the, the game is in a uh, better place for it. And we'll see what happens with expansion. I, I think, you know, that's still five, six years down the road. I think Nashville is definitely getting a franchise. And they would love to go. They would love to go back to Montreal. They, you know, they want two teams in Canada again. So that'd be the, their wish list. Is that someone steps up and they get that stadium built in Montreal? Bob, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Uh, enjoy the All Star Game. Enjoy the All Star Break, and uh, we'll be talking again. Safe travels, my friend. Thanks, be well. Bob. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Take care. It's Bob Nightingale, national baseball writer with USA Today. Um, so that is interesting with Corbin Carroll. No update yet. Uh, he's an awfully, awfully, awfully good player. But uh, the, the second half of this season, the post-All-Star break part of the season, starts out with San Diego and Arizona yeah. for the Jays. And I'm not, I mean, you look at San Diego's lineup and with Bob, you could just kind of shake your head at what's happening there. But it's not the most difficult start to the schedule after the all-star break for the Blue Jays. Uh, yeah, it's like Groundhog Day. Like, it's the same old thing with the Jays. You know, they got to have good starting pitching. They got to match the other starting pitcher. They got to allow the lineup to have a big inning. The lineup consistently is just not going to have two or three really big right. innings. It's going to have the big inning, right? That's why they're stacking their lineup the way it is, just because consistency of approaches and whatever those dudes are trying to get done, it just don't consistently get done. So, yeah, for me, it's it's an individual thing. You do your thing try and lay off of what you don't do well, and maybe you'll have a better chance of having more big You're You're a former player. I was interested in hearing Bob talk about Juan Soto and the San Diego Padres, and you've often talked about Juan Soto. You know, like Bob says, don't be afraid to swing the bat. Don't just draw a walk. What do you think explains that? Because, you know, he, he, he's a guy, people who know him say he's a competitive guy. He's clearly, he's clearly talented. What do you see when you see Juan Soto? Yeah, I think he can get paid that way. And that, that's what I think. I, right. I, I think he's young enough. He's had enough people saying in his ear that you can do it this way and make tons of money. Like, you, you're you're going to get paid the way you want to get paid by having the eight-pitch walk or the eight-pitch out, dare I say. Like, it's you don't always have to hit 40, 50 home runs to, to get paid a bunch of money because of the way the game's changed. They look at... On-base percentage. Now, they pay you mm -hmm. for on-base percentage. Even if you're a corner guy, they would have never done that when I played. So, yeah, I think that has a lot to do with it. And how good is Juan Soto? And that, that is the, that is the million-dollar question. question. That is a how great good question. Is he? He's had one good year. 
Really, if you look back at it. That is a really good question, Bark. And I've, I've, if you had asked me that last year, I would have said he's Who? one of the top five players. But now, whoever told him to not know. take the four hundred million dollar thing that the Nationals offered him should be fired. They should. Four hundred million dollars is a lot of money. Now you're getting greedy because of who his agent is. I mean, that what do you think if they had a do over, he would he would have said yes to that? I I do just because of the way it's went. He'll make some money, but it may not be five. It may not start with a five or a four. Quickly before we get to between the lines, your contending team. You saw Lance Lynn pitch yesterday. You take a shot at Lance Lynn. Probably not going to cost you a great Absolutely. deal. Absolutely. Abs, yeah, strikeouts. I said this to you. I mean, all the other stuff's not real good. And we talked to White Sox people that said it's the defense. Mm-hmm. There was a really good defense that played behind him in Toronto. Absolutely. Time now for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Mr. Mark Boffo, our producer. Gentlemen, all eyes on Alec Manoa tonight. Bet Rivers has the strikeout set it over under four and a half. How will he do tonight at Comerica Park against the Tigers? We both in the over here? Yeah, I think you have to. Because they're going to, I, I don't think they'll have a quick, I, I think they're going to, they're not going to have a quick hook. They're, they need to see, they need to give Alec as much rope as they can in this game. I think I, I, I would take maybe, I would take the over just because I, I think he can I'm, get six. I mean, six there's, three, there's three lefties in the lineup. That's his sort of issue. If he's better arm side with ever the four-seamer or the two-seamer against the seven righties or the six righties, he, he'll be okay. Uh, against the righties, Detroit is seventh in baseball and punch outs. Mm. Torkelson averages a strikeout a game. Yeah. Okay, there right there is two punches. Javier Baez, Baez is a human air conditioner. He struck out six times his last seven games, 13 out of his last 15 games. There's three punch outs between those two dudes. That's right. You're looking at two more strikeouts. So without even seeing the slider, I just think if he can set up the, the slider by throwing into the righties, both of those dudes are right-handed, and establish that getting called strikes to force them to respect that, He'll that'll allow him to get away with some bad sliders and he'll be okay and have five punches. That was between the lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. 640 will be the first pitch tonight as the Jays take on the Detroit Tigers. Alec Manoa returning to the Jays lineup. We mentioned Danny Jansen will be behind the plate. Um I know we talked a lot, obviously, in the first part of this first part of the show about Alec Manoa and, and what to expect. What do you what do you think, Kevin? What do you think his teammates are thinking right now? Well, I would I would assume the lineups think and score for him early. Uh, that that would be the biggest thing they could do is have some good at bats and. You know, maybe a bloop and a bomb would be nice. He walks out there, it's 2 nothing. Now I don't have to be as fine. You know, I can attack the the outer thirds, not the black. That, that's sort of what he was doing, right? He'd get in trouble. He'd try to make the perfect pitch. His words, not mine. Like, he would come on mm-hmm. after games to say that. So hopefully they can get an early lead for him, take a little pressure off, and work through the tough inning. That That's sort of, you know, if you're uh, – you don't want your teammates going, oh, here we go again. So it's that work through the tough inning. You know, you're trying to maneuver it. Just don't implode in the one inning like he sort of did, you know, before he got sent down. So, yeah, I don't, again, I, I I don't think his teammates, because they have their things to worry about, too. You know, they're they're individuals. They're you trying got, to worry about doing their 
thing and do the best of their ability. So, but I do think it's and those got things. Your, Score first and and don't implode. And you've got your best defensive outfield out there as well. Obviously, if you're the if you're the Blue Jays tonight with Varsho, Kiermaier, and Springer. Um, I mean, you're 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 going to and and again, I mentioned Danny Jansen behind the plate. Now, John Schneider will say that basically. Uh, Danny Jan, it, Alejandro Kirk's bat is the reason Alejandro Kirk isn't behind the plate tonight. Smart, and the reason that Danny Jansen is. But uh, yeah, they, they're gonna they, they've maximized that outfield defense form. Um, yeah, I, I guess the the key for me with Alec Manoa is going to be watching that pace. And I've, if he can get if he can get a quick inning, I don't care how he gets it. If he can get a quick inning in the first three, I think that will be a really real good sign. Yeah, for before him. he went a down. Quick, uneventful it was inning. not always strike one it was what did he throw you with two strikes right how, how do i be efficient with two strikes right efficient, I efficient's get, a great word absolutely you want to i gotta some get efficiency. after you right it's not i go oh two and then it takes me four or five pitches to either have action or get you out or strike you out that's the thing right with two strikes that gets back to the quality of the of the slider was just not great the command of the fastball and occasionally the changeup that he's not he will throw just enough to make the fastballs better so yeah I get after it, throw some strikes, pound the zone, let your defense work, and hopefully they score first, take a little pressure off of it. Yeah, efficiency will be a, a key word tonight. It's one of the reasons Jose Barrios has been able to turn the corner this year. Efficiency Mechanically be, sound. Efficiency will Absolutely. be one of the things we'll be looking for Yeah, from Alec Manoa. John Schneider is manager of the Blue Jays. John Schneider joins us le- next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and Sportsnet 360. Breaking down the biggest stories in Toronto sports. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, first pitch. About 40 minutes away. It is Manoa Fest. I saw him walking in the outfield. I do too. We've got the uh, we've got the <gasps> TV on He's here, the there. big screen. We got the big screen to see the big man walking wow. out to the uh Baver. Walking like out, walking unis. into the bullpen. The powder blues. You like them? I do like the powder blues. I do too. I I like all white too. Those all whites are sharp, boy. Yeah, the, I the, like them. The dark blue and the those black black jerseys when I played there. Yeah. Oh, those were awful. That was a bad idea. I mean, right to it. I'll and you also had the T-Bird, too. Didn't you have that? The, or the uh, T logo? The weird. It just uh, maybe. Yeah, the black jerseys were. Oh. I'll have to go look at my framed jersey when I was in the big leagues with the Blue Jays. The reason one of the first, <laughs> reason one of the first things Beeston did when he uh, got back in here was that he uh, brought back the, the sort of the old school Jays. Jay's look, but yeah, I'm with you. Powder blues, powder blues you're, are solid. You're powder picky blues like are that, solid. huh? You you have to. You don't like. You really look at it and go, I don't oh, like the T. And oh, they're uniform. Like, yeah, I've got. I have very strong opinions in uniforms. I got very strong likes and dislikes. Uh, John Schneider's manager of the Blue Jays, and I uh, don't want to waste any time. Lots to talk about with John Schneider, and uh, well, he joined us a little earlier today. Very pleased to be joined now by John Schneider, the manager 
of the Toronto Blue Jays. John, thanks for doing this. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this. I think you are because I think I'm pretty certain Dan Schulman mentioned that he mentioned it to you. But uh, as we go into tonight's game against the Tigers, you have now managed 162 games in the majors, a full season. You are 94 and 68, which is a really good record. Um, just wondering what you've learned about yourself over 162 games in the bigs. And I know you were well prepared for this job. That was pretty clear. But has there been a part of it that perhaps caught you a little unawares? Um, great to talk to you guys, as always. Um, yeah, but there's been parts. I think, um, you know, you learn on the fly a little bit. You get prepared as, you know, as prepared as you can for every game, every series. Um, and this is something that, you know, a goal of mine professionally to, to be in this position. And I think that, you know, things that catch you off guard um, are more things that happen, you know, within the day, you know, not during the game. I think that, the, you know, the work that we do to get prepared for the game is, is really, really detailed and allows you to be pretty agile um, within the game. But I think it's kind of just the ins and outs of, getting used to the lifestyle you know i talk about it with my wife even sometimes how you're just you know you're just um kind of in high demand from everyone whether it be players staff front office um media you know you're kind of just on all the time so i think just getting adjusted to that and how to how to manage your day um that's been the biggest thing um but again wouldn't change wouldn't change any of it for the world I mean, you also you've got you've got a bigger staff, obviously, than you did than you did when you were managing in the minor leagues. Um, how much have you had to learn, or did you have to learn, sort of the balance between delegating and you know, retaining control over over a certain number of things? Yeah, I try to do that even in the minor leagues, where you try to empower the the coaches that are around you to kind of you know reach their full potential and be very <clears throat> very fulfilled with what they're doing as well. So there is a fine line. Um, I do think it's pretty unique that I, I've been with these guys for a number of years, and um, Jeff Ware I worked with a, a lot in the minor leagues. So <clears throat> excuse me, I'm very comfortable with them. So I have no problem um, delegating and, and knowing that the job is going to get done or the message will get delivered um the right way so i think just being familiar with the staff is a big thing um leads to easier conversations i think we all kind of know our how we operate on a day-to-day basis um and it leads to some fun too um so i think they all they all know exactly you know what i'm trying to get across and they do a great job helping me out with it uh, John, I, I've told this story many times about it. What, what the coolest thing about being a big leaguer, obviously, other than the paycheck, is much bigger than the minor leagues. But it's the little things, right? It's wearing a uniform that actually fits. It's going into a a, a rack with all kinds of bats, and you're basically just picking one. It's okay to do that, right? Instead of having to buy them at the minor league level. As a manager of the Blue Jays through 162 games, is there something cool that sticks out to you that you know maybe that you don't talk about all the time? Wow, great question. Um, you know, I think the you know everyone kind of falls back on on the travel. You know, yeah, the <laughs> paycheck's good and the, and the gear is good and all that kind of stuff. But I think you know we're we're treated really well, and it's not just me; it's everyone. You know, by the you know, way we fly, the hotels we stay in, um, the actual rooms of the hotels. You know, I think that part um, can get lost uh, in the shuffle when you're doing it day in day out, but. Uh, I try to take a step back and just appreciate where I am. Um, you know, each kind of city we land in, it's 
you know, it's easy to get spoiled in a hurry. So I try to take a step back and, and understand, you know, that I've worked hard to get here. Um, and want to continue to do so to stay here. So it's, it's the little things, it's the little things like that to me that jump out. It's the way we travel, where we stay in these nice cities. Okay, let's get right to it. Alec Manoa starting tonight. I don't know if you've noticed, but he's scheduled to start tonight against the oh, Detroit yeah. Tigers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's first you heard of that, huh? Uh, he, he obviously, yeah, obviously the first thing that would stick out to people that follow the Blue Jays and follow Alec Manoa is that he made 13 starts at the big league level. He got sent down, and he only made two starts, about eight innings, right? Wasn't wasn't a huge sample size. And I think the first question that people would ask is, why so soon, right? Why why this early, right? It's I mean, it's been, what, a, a right around a month, four weeks, somewhere in that range of when he was yep. last in the big leagues. That's not a very big sample size. And, and that's the question is, what exactly did you guys learn from those two small sample sizes that would tell you that Alec is ready to come back and, and be somewhat of the Alec Manoa that we're used to seeing? Well, for one, I think going, you know, you look at his track record and you look at what he's done so far in the big leagues, which is a very, very good sample size. And you look at this year, um, however many starts it was, I believe 13, um, yeah. something like that. And it, we weren't trying to totally overhaul a player. We weren't starting from scratch. So I think when you look at his time in the minors, you know, we were taking into account to, you know, bullpens, work in the lab, um, just facing hitters. It wasn't, you know, strictly the outing in Florida and the outing in New Hampshire. It was everything else that kind of went into um, his daily work when he was down there. Um, so I think that's what led us to uh, feel comfortable to say, okay, you're ready. And again, we never put a time frame on it. So I think when you're dealing with a pitcher of his caliber, you know, I've, I've said it before, he'll tell you when he's ready. So it wasn't like he needed to be built up. He wasn't starting the season from scratch, so I think that really didn't put like a <clears throat> traditional timeline on it, you know. So the pitch count was going to be there, and I, I think we were just really focused on the the small tweaks he was working on um, and kind of checking those boxes as he went, and felt that because he is such a talented pitcher, he didn't need you know numerous or handful or six or seven outings in the minor leagues just to do that. But once it once everything was where we wanted it to be, you know, you trust the talent of the pitcher. What are you most excited uh, to be looking for? First inning, he rolls out there. He grabs the ball. I'm assuming it's Kirky. Kirky pushes the right button. He gives uh, the you know the glove, the target where he wants it to go. Is there one specific thing you're looking for? It could be tempo, mechanics, you know, aggression. Like, is there one thing optics of how he looked, you know, when he left to how he looks now? Is there a certain thing that you're going to really be honing in on and going, hey, yeah, I kind of like that. It looks a little bit better. Well, for one, it's going to start in the clubhouse. You know, I, I already saw him in the hotel today. Um, great demeanor. You know, you're looking for Alec to be Alec, and he's a big personality first and foremost. So looking for that, you know, and, and, and excited to see that again and to have that presence in our clubhouse. And then I think it's kind of just, you know, strike one. You know, I think the biggest thing we'll be looking at is, is delivery and the tempo within in that delivery and then strike throwing. You know, so hopefully it's, you know, boom, first pitch is there and away we go. Um, and he just maintains everything he's been working on. But I think it's it's delivery of tempo, and then it's just his overall presence. You know, you've all seen him in the dugout when he's pitching and when he's not pitching, and he's very active. He's a, he's a big part of, of uh, kind of the camaraderie in there. Um, so those are the two things that I'll be looking at. 
John, how much does it help Alec that he is rejoining the team at a time where, by and large, you are getting really good mileage out of your four starters, right? I mean, Gossman's going to the All-Star game. He's been terrific. Kikuchi, Barrios, uh, Chris Bassett. You've got four guys who are really in a nice rhythm and a nice flow right now. And from where I sit, at least you're bringing Alec into a good situation as opposed to bringing him into a situation where perhaps, you know, the bullpen was taxed or somebody else was hurt and you've only got two starters and boy, you really need Alec to go six tonight. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, Yeah. I think it's, it's, you know, it's going to be exciting just to have him for one. And I think that, you know, you look at the, the workload with our starters too. And, you know, hopefully it kind of just resets everyone a little bit. That being said, you know, we wouldn't have done this without, you know, being very confident in the other four guys and knowing what they were capable of too. So I'm sure it'll be a breath of fresh air for the staff or the, for the whole team here. Um, you know, everyone's excited to get, get back around them, but it's, um, you can't speak enough to what the starters did and what the bullpen did in that month that he wasn't here with us. It's, Everyone kind of picked up their picked up the slack a little bit, um, and again, we we wouldn't have done it that way if we didn't feel comfortable with the guys that we did have here. I think I've heard Barrios come out and say something about the routine with the four man rotation. You know, you can't do this; you got to adjust that. You know, you're getting more rub downs than you are throwing programs. Like there's certain things that you have to adjust. Heard Bassett come out, you know, a couple of days ago talking about routines and you know how excited they were to get a you know a guy in here that can give them some length and just get back to being normal. Any conversations with the other four guys and and you know asking and maybe that sort of hurt the process along that may be the wrong word to use john hurry because i don't think in you know the way your organization works and the way you think and pete walker think you don't want to hurry the player back but there is four dudes you know that are trying to do their thing and pick up the slack for a guy that's trying to figure it out any conversations with them when it comes to you know maybe it would be time a good time to bring him back you know instead of waiting another couple of weeks uh, I mean, we talked to them throughout the whole time and, and um, again, kind of put this plan out in front of them and they were on board with it and stayed in touch with them throughout it, you know. And I think in ter- definitely wasn't hurried. You know, we've said from the get-go that we were going to do what we thought was best for Alec and then what's best for Alec is going to be best for the team. So there wasn't, you know, <laughs> there wasn't that like, okay, we need to get him back because everyone's tired. It's No, we, we, you know, thought things out and said when he's ready, he's going to be ready. And the other guys did pick up the slack, and they did have to adjust a little bit. And when you're dealing with, you know, veteran dudes like Chris and Hosey and Cooch and Kev, you know, they're you know they're up for that challenge. You know what I mean? They know they they know their routines, they know their bodies, and how they're feeling. And did they have to adjust at times? Yeah, sure. And I think no matter what the circumstance, you you adjust your routine over the course of the year, regardless. You know, some guys just. You know, I think back to Robbie Ray, you know, he never missed the bullpen. And then you look at Hunjin Ryu, and he rarely throws a bullpen, you know. So guys are different. Um, so I think it was just them kind of working through that a little bit. Um, they still got their work in and were prepared to go every time they were on the mound. And, um, again, it was, you know, a combination of things of us feeling this was the right time for Alec. And, um, you know, just the other guys throughout the whole process, I think, were – we're very, very um, flexible with it, and they, I thought they handled it really well. Don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much here, but the All Star break is coming up. Are, are there? Have you guys got a plan for Alec to stay busy uh, during that time? Whether it's go back to the pitching lab, or I don't, 
I don't know, go down to the pitch in a minor league game, and I can't imagine that. But I, I'm, I'm just wondering if there's a plan to sort of keep him busy while you reset the rotation coming out of the break. Yeah, it'll be the same as everyone else, really. Just okay. kind of mapping out when we're going to, you know, roll everyone out after the break. Um, obviously, guys deserve, you know, that, that four-day break, too. So um, everyone's going to be staying busy and um, just in terms of throwing and getting off the mound and shouldn't be a problem, you know, sliding him into the rotation wherever we, wherever we feel like is best. Okay, let's move on. There, there is other guys on this team, and, and I'd love to ask you about Eric Swanson. Eric Swanson, uh, you know, hasn't been real good in his last seven outings. It looks like he's laboring a little bit, right? It's trying to figure out the release point on the split finger, whatever. You know, it's a marathon, not a sprint season. But I, I do wonder, he's got 41 games under his belt. Most he's had in a season was 2022 when he had 57 games. Getting real close to that number, John, right? It's 74 games left. You, you thinking he's probably going to have to blow past that just because of what he means to the pen and what he means to you, you know, he got, he's got predictability in him and you need that down the stretch, especially when you're trying to win games, any blueprint on how to handle a guy that may, you know, have to blow by what, or, or how many games he's used to throwing in a season. Yeah. I mean, it kind of, you look at it the same way when you're talking about starters adjusting the routine, it's the same thing for relief pitchers, you know, just in terms of how they're playing catch, um, how often we're even trying to get them up during games to try to save some of those bullets. And I think you do look at it and you go, yeah, we have played in really close games, it seems like, uh, throughout the year. And when those happen and guys are available, you want to put your leverage guys in those spots. And it seems like that's happened more, than, more often than not the first you know, half year. So definitely well aware of it. Uh, Swanee's well aware of it. And like anything, when you're really getting asked to go out and pitch in those spots, it does take a toll on you. So you work around it by, you know, we're just going to have built-in days off. Um, there's going to be days where, you know, other guys are going to have to step up and probably take that spot, uh, that inning. And we have guys that are capable of that. I think having Trevor Richards back in the pen now um, as a real weapon for us kind of, you know, can play that role um, much like Eric can. And you got to just kind of take it a day at a time, almost a series at a time, and understand that, yes, we did ask a lot of you, so in turn, take care of everything you do every day. And when you're available, yeah, you're in there. And in the meantime, it's an opportunity for other guys to step up as well. John Whit Merrifield's obviously going to the All-Star game. He had a couple of home runs uh, in the nightcap last night. He's been a guy that's been a, a, a contributor, obviously, to this team. Uh, what, do you, what type of hitter do you think Whit Merrifield is at this stage in his career? Because I know he was talking to Hazel last night following the game, and he talked about still trying to put his swing together and you know, kind of trying to figure out, not figure out who he is, but kind of figure out just how much power he can actually generate out of his swing. And I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering for you, what type of hitter is he? And, you know, what would be, for example, a good home run total for Witt? I think a good home run total is, you know, 10, you know, double digits, I think, for a guy like him. But he's, um, he's a really prepared hitter. He, he understands what pitchers are trying to do. Um, I think you've seen it a few times where he'll swing and miss or foul a ball off and, and show a little bit of frustration because, you know, he got a pitch he was looking for and didn't quite click it. Um, but, again, it's really good bat-to-ball skills. You know, we, we kind of joke with him about, you know, some of the exit below stuff that he ends up getting hits, and there's a reason why he's had the number of hits he, he's had in his career. Um, he can spoil pitches that are close to two strikes, and he, he usually puts the ball in play, and he's a, he's a plus runner. So, 
there's a lot of different ways. You know, he takes his shots when he's in leverage counts. And, again, he's not going to be a huge power threat. But I think that, you know, he knows the times to kind of say, okay, I'm going to go for it. And he knows times to kind of, you know, tone it down a little bit. And he's been doing it for a long time. Um, you know, you trust him to make contact. You trust him in situations with, you know, runners second and nobody out, runners third with less than two. Um, kind of just a professional hitter that understands the situation and how he's going to be pitched and reacts accordingly. He's been he's been um, a really really constant piece of us, you know, our lineup this this first half. John, you've asked a lot from Dalton Varsho, right? Where you put him in the order, you ask him to be an on base guy. You put him in certain parts of the lineup, you ask him to be a run producer. You know, sometimes that's that's a lot to ask a guy who's searching the lower half, right? It's to stride separation in the beginning of the season. It's the leg kick. You know, he's a shorter hitter. That's why they're attacking with the elevated fastball. That's sort of what happens, right? You start hitting some homers, and then the smart guys start trying to figure out how to get you out. What's next for him offensively in your mind? mind for him just an everyday player what what do you think you know is the next step for him yeah for one I think you have to nail on the head to where you know what I've asked of him you know is not easy and I've talked to him about that it's something I don't like really doing especially coming to a new team and I'm bouncing them all over the order um, not ideal from that standpoint based on you know trying to match up against starters and how bullpens are built and trying to protect some guys so he's he's going to continue to evolve. You know, people forget that, too, that he's coming to a different league. He hasn't seen some of these pitchers quite as much as other guys and understanding where he's being pitched. So, I mean, what people don't know about this dude is how hard he works and how much he wants to help us win. And it, it's um, it's just a it's a constant adjustment with every like it, like it is with everybody, you know. He's going to get, you know, every chance to be, you know, be an everyday guy, continue to be an everyday guy and be a big part of what we're doing. Um, and he works his ass off every day with G and with, with Hunter and Hudgy, um, and confident that he's going to make some adjustments. So it's, it's, uh, it's a never ending, uh, adjustment period. And he understands that, you know, I think that he puts it in the work to continue to evolve as a hitter. Um, and hopefully I can kind of, you know, somewhat keep him in a, in a familiar spot. So he's not wondering where he's going to be hitting every day, but, uh, to his credit, man, he finds he finds ways to help us win. You know, whether it's a safety squeeze, whether it's a catch or something on the bases, you know, he just always finds a way to help us win, um, and he understands that as well. So it's just it's just a constant adjustment period, um, and I think he's at the point now. He, I mean, he understands where he's being pitched, and it's just all right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna budge if it is at the top of the zone or whatever it may be. And he's got all the potential in the world to be a great hitter. Yeah, Kirky. I asked Kirky uh, you about Kirky the last time you were on, and and we were asking, or I was asking about bat speed and timing, and had the lead called up. But, you know, he's two for sixteen the last seven games. I, I that's a small sample size, right? And I want to blame a little bit of that on the pitching, but John, I don't know if I can. Right? He hasn't faced, or you guys haven't faced in the last week some elite stuff, right? That just good luck. I mean, Paxton, I may, I guess, with the Red Sox was one of those guys that you know has dominant stuff and can work through a really good right-handed lineup but with Kirky I, I he just a little bit confuses me especially his numbers against lefties uh, his numbers against uh, relievers right he's hitting under 200 against relievers that might tell you that the bat speed just from one year to the next just, just hasn't consistently been there is there is there one thing you could put your finger on because John I don't know about you but you have him at the bottom of your order d- doing some 
nice things, right? Driving and runs, man, that would make your lineup so long. Is there one thing you're seeing that you can put your finger on that says maybe he's turning the corner, maybe he can get this thing going and, and help your team down the stretch here offensively? Yeah, for sure. I mean, Turkey is such a good hitter and controls his own so well. It's only a matter of time until he kind of really gets, you know, breaks out of it, I think. And like any hitter, you're going to go through ups and downs. You know, you see it with everybody. You know, you see it with other guys and other teams. You look up and it's kind of not their career norm numbers. And that happens. You know, I don't think it's bat speed. I don't think it's pitch selection. He's, he just missed a couple balls, you know, on the road, on the road in, uh, in Chicago. And, you know, Kirky, it can happen. It can happen in one day, you know, so. When he gets it going, that's obviously going to make us that much more dangerous. We're we're totally confident that he will because of his skill set. Um, the numbers against lefties and righties is kind of weird. You know, we've we've dove into that and where he handles balls and and where he where he doesn't. You know, and I think part of it too is yeah, he's at the point in his career where he's got you know a couple of years in and and the league starts making adjustments and he adjusts back. But when you're controlling the zone as well as he does, you know, you're always going to give yourself a really good chance to get on a pretty good roll, you know, so there, there's definitely signs there that, that it's going to be, you know, that it's coming and that it, when it does come, hopefully it stays. And it does, like you said, it makes it that much better. John, we really appreciate your time today. Uh, listen, enjoy the all-star break. Are the, uh, are the boys going to be able to be on the field during the home run derby? No, nah, the boys are going to hang in Toronto with my mom is coming up to watch. Jess is going to come out there uh, with me, a uh, little parents get away for about 36 hours. Nice. And enjoy the Activities, and then we will get out of the way on Tuesday and, uh, and head back to the head back to the city. So we're looking forward to that, and um, excited for Vlad to be part of that, and the other guys that are going to be involved in the game too. Well, listen, uh, thanks for your time again. Have uh, safe travel to the All Star Game, and uh, enjoy some downtime, my friend. I really appreciate this. Yeah, good luck, thanks, buddy. Guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it as always. John Schneider, manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Kevin, we're just watching Alec Manoa warm up right now. You notice something right away. Yeah, well, he drew a line for direction, which is a big deal, right? You remember when he was here and he made the 13 starts, even From last year. the pitching year, rubber towards yeah, home plate. Yeah, he used to fall off to the first base side really bad, right? And the ball would go all over the place. Now look at his finish. Well, nobody can really see this. You're going to see it tonight, right? The finish, he's not falling off to yep. one side of the – towards the first base side. So that's something – that's intriguing. That's obviously something they've worked on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that'll be it for us. Mr. Barker and myself will be doing Blue Jays talk tonight immediately following the game. We'll be back in a week with Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet 360. Enjoy the All-Star break. Enjoy tonight's game. We'll chat again. <laughs>